Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. How many is glad to be in his house of worship tonight? Amen. How many is glad to have the privilege to be able to worship him? Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You're worthy. Amen. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be in God's house today, to be able to worship him. And uh, it's so good to have my mother here with me today to be able to, I like to say it's my fan club, but it just so happened to work out this way. So uh, not my fan club, but she is a fan of me. I promise you. I promise you. Amen. Amen. And good to see all the smiling faces uh, from everybody from Paola Church. It's such a privilege to have you with us tonight in worship. Amen. Amen. Well, I would like to uh, read a text from Psalms. Brother Weems started going down the path. We'll turn to Psalms 119. And we will pick up the passage prior to where Brother Weems was reading. Amen. Amen. I so appreciate the presence of God. I love what I feel in this house. And my prayer is that God's word, his word, finds the mark in somebody's heart tonight. Amen. I, my objective is for me to get out of the way and for God to be able to speak to somebody's heart tonight because God wants to talk to his people, not just for us to have a little get together, but I believe God really wants to speak to someone's heart tonight. God knows. Amen. Psalms 119 and verse 9, we're reading through verse 16. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed here thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all, my, all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will, med I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and ask God to bless our hearts? Touch us and let us be willing to hear his word tonight. We love you, Jesus. I thank you, God. Today, God, I ask you to anoint these God, it's your mouth. It's your body. God, it's your breath. It's your church. God, we ask you to touch tonight. Anoint God, your word. God, we ask you to reach down and touch us, each and every one. Hallelujah, I need your help tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah, you're so worthy. Hallelujah, glory unto your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I feel that God has laid a word on my heart. And what I feel to preach tonight is reckoned unto Jesus. Reckoned unto Jesus. Reading in Psalms 119, beautiful passage of Scripture, encouraging when we find the Word of God begins to minister to people's hearts. And it's a testimony of thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. 
we find the word that I have hid is, is the treasure of the word of God. He's placed value upon the word of God. It was there. It was, though it may be unseen to the external, on the internal man, it was very much seen. When you place value upon something and you hold it deep within your heart, there is no denying the value that you have placed upon it. It is the power by which you are governed. When you love someone, something, or someone, it guides you. It has an influence over you. There are people that are uh, emphatic about uh, popularity and, and, and people that follow after them. And on the inverse of that, there are people that so worship the ground of artists in Hollywood that they actually follow people and bands around the country just so they can hear them sing the same song over and over again. They have placed value within their heart. When you have hid the word of God in your heart, you have deposited it there, and it's valuable as a treasure. If the purpose of it is that you may not sin against thee, it is a continual guiding precept that I may be determined me from going astray. It is the bumpers in your life that help you from going too far left or too far right when you have the word of God deep within your heart. I have found that in times of weakness or temptation, the word of God would come to me and would strengthen me. Even when I could be found within a song or just within the remnant of a verse of scripture that I may have memorized, I find that it's timely and it speaks to the moment in my life if I will let it. The word of God tonight is wanting to speak to somebody's life. And it's not just a song. It's not just a remnant of a passage of scripture. But it is the word of God that God is wanting to woo somebody. To let them understand there's more to this life. There's something deeper than what you have right now. It's something that it's not just a little trinket that you hang from your keychain. But it's wanting to be deep within your heart tonight. The word of God is more than just the nagging voice that has been classically depicted as two angels, one on one shoulder and one on the other, and they're both talking and they're both whispering. The word of God is the source of all that is right in your life tonight. The word of God, it's so rich, so full. I, I apologize in advance of the example that I would like to bring to you tonight. I promise it will be just for a few moments that I will, if I could say, geek out for a moment. And I promise it has a reason. And I promise that it means something. Maybe it means something just to me, but only we know how it is in your heart. But there is... In the rail technology sector, there's a technology that is bridged over, and we've read about it. You cannot get away from autonomous vehicles. We hear it being talked about on the radio. You may read news articles about the autonomous vehicles, and the most popular uh, mechanism that we hear about is the one that controls the Tesla vehicles. But some of that has uh, transferred over to the rail sector that I'm a part of, and there are uh, ways for them to use precision navigation, and we are... 
uh, designing um, the application for the rail environment and on the committees and, and to design the requirements for someone to make a precision navigation module. We call it the PNM. And this method allows the train to operate safely and for a train management system to know where a train is located using the global navigation satellites that we see and we reference. You may pull up your phone and you'll see GLONASS, uh, Galileo, Bidu, and you'll see GPS and reference those and they know where you're at. I remember when phones just began to have this feature and, and it would say, find me, and it would have this very large blue circle around it. And you gave it time, and it says, well, you got to turn your Bluetooth off and on, and it'll give you a little more resolution. And you got to turn the Wi-Fi on. And after they map all the Wi-Fis that are common, they begin to triangulate where you are even closer. But we're working on technology, and what we found was there were errors discovered in the method of dead reckoning that allows trains to operate through lengthy tunnels. The longest one in the North America Rail Network is seven miles long and go through canyons and out west and not have line of sight to the sky and have the ability within reason to be able to go so far before it has to stop and say, I no longer know where I'm at. Even though there's an operator on board, dead reckoning by the system that I'm familiar with will allow you to go anywhere from 23 to 25 miles before it says, I don't know where I'm at. My algorithm is off. My speed, time, and location has lost its correction. Thus, I need manual operation to take over and run this train for me to know where I'm at. And then we had technology. It was not accurate enough. And so we went down this path for a precision navigation module. Secondly, we found that there were errors discovered in the source of speed. And it was human factors related. And I was going through the data and began to understand that I see an error in the data in our speed within a certain model of locomotive, and I began to get pretty geeky with it, and I discovered that it went down to the person maintaining the wheel size on a locomotive. As your tires wear, they lose the tread. As the locomotives wear, they lose their density. And a locomotive wheel may be 42, 43 inches uh, in diameter, uh, when the measurement that we have, but only a fraction of that wheel touches. And because slowly, Bishop, as you talked about this morning, the slow erosion of that wheel that just takes time for steel upon steel to erode, we find that the speed algorithm drifts. And what it displays in the cab is what they think is right. But we have technology on there that says it's not right. And systems began to clash because one system says, I'm going this speed. And another system says, I'm going this speed. And the operator says, I've clocked it and I'm going this speed. And there's a mismatch and it fails out. We also found that time, time drifts. Even though we have crystal elements inside of some of these components, it drifts. And we had multiple sources of time on a locomotive from different networks that we were tapping on and saying, what time do you think it is? And what time do you think it is? And it did not become a problem until recently we had a train accident. We pulled the black box and began to review the data. And we noticed there was a time correction right before the event. And it says it was this time. And all of a sudden there was a pause. And the time went backwards and corrected itself and started counting again. That's a problem. 
When you go into the court of law, you know everything they can nitpick and try to tear apart. Uh, in, in summary, what we found was the train was not where it thought it was. The speed was not where it thought it was. The time was not where it thought it was. What we needed was one source of time, one source of speed, one source of location. And what we have is a base station that is a known landmark that has a lat long associated with it that we know without doubt this will not move. It communicates to the GPS and all those constellations. It brings down the time and says, this is truth. And then each locomotive subscribes to truth. They know where they're at based upon that said truth. What we have in our lives is voices. Some of you spent time with family this week and their voices. Some of you had your time get a little off. Your location get a little shifted. Your speed just came off just a little bit. And you thought, well, nothing will ever come of it. But God knows. When you compare it against the source of truth, if you're not reckoned unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, you have shifted too far. You may say you're right and everything seems to be okay. I found it in my life, and Bishop, you hit on it right on the head this morning. I've sat there before and says, there's nothing wrong with this. And I sat there for a moment, and I said, now really think about what you just said was okay. And when you start to compare it back, you realize it's not okay. There's something off. It's just that small incremental movement you talked about. Your time. You may think, well, I'll only do this in church. I'll only participate in this, and that's as far as I can go. The problem with that mentality is the church is going forward. And if you only half-heartedly commit, that means you are continually losing track of time. And the erosion of this world will begin to wear on you. And the next thing you know, you'll find yourself all alone because you chose to push back and say, I'll be okay. Saints of God, I'm here today. This is not a beat down. This is not saying uh, uh, you can't do it, but this has reminded me of an example. I remember when I was in junior high and we had field day and my father had taken off that day and, and there was nothing special about it. The teacher would pass around the sheet and say, what do you want to compete in? It doesn't mean you were good. It just mean that you were willing to sign up. And I remember there was this race I signed up for, and I'm not a long-distance runner. Actually, I'm not even a runner. And at that time in my life, I could put some miles down the road and do okay. And I remember running this race, and it was a lengthy race, miles around the track. And I remember running this race, and I was gasping. And truth be told, I was not winning. I was far from winning. But as I remember as I went past turn two, out of my left-hand side, I noticed somebody was running next to me. And I began to hear somebody's voice say, Douglas, keep running. You can do it. Keep running, son. Hurry up. You can do it. Pick up the pace. 
Count your breaths. Go and began to talk to me all the way to turn three. And then the speaker from the announcer began to say, stop pacing the runner or else we will disqualify you. Stop running with the runner or we will take him from the race. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you today, that was my father standing there that day. But your heavenly father is here today saying, keep running the race. Don't worry about what the devil's telling you in your ear saying you're a failure you'll never amount to anything you'll never be anything in the kingdom of God keep running this race God is on your side we're not here to beat you down we're not here to pull you out of the race we're here to say don't listen to that voice don't listen to that voice that's telling you you're worth for nothing but God has a plan for your life and you must keep Putting one foot in front of the other. You must be reckoned unto Jesus Christ. What is needed in your life. Is not the ability. To dead reckon. To where you can only go so far. And run it to the end and say God. I guess I can't go no further. I've only went my 23 miles. I need you. What you need is the technology RTK that allows you to maintain constant communication to that base station that tells you where you're at at all times, tells you how fast you're going at all times, tells you your speed at all times. Saints of God, the intermittent touch and say, God, are you there? Yep, I feel him. I'm good for so many weeks. Is not of God. Just to pop your head up and put your little periscope up into the spiritual world and say, oh, that was a good Sunday night service. I feel God's presence. I must be okay. Is not the will of God. We have to be in touch with him at all times. That's when you have allowed the characteristic, the little cartoon of the little red-suited devil to be on this shoulder and the little white-suited angel to be on this one and begin to whisper in your ears, you've allowed God to be cheapened by this world. But what he's asked us to do is in Psalms 119, put the word of God down deep in your heart that you may not sin against God. Psalms 1 and 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That does not sound like it only when I want to talk to him. That means he's always on my mind. And the inverse of that is I am always on his mind. Proverbs chapter, I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 37 and verse 31 says the law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide if you think I can't do this if you think I I just had a one-time experience with God and that was okay I'm here to tell you tonight God gives you the strength and the ability to climb every mountain and then the other side to go down the other side and say I can do it God is with me I have his strength he has encouraged me God is with you today Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Verse 10, when wisdom entered into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee and understanding shall keep thee. The word of God is what you need in your life. It's not all the voices. 
that get up and tell you and text you and call you and send you a private message or talk to you face to face and say, you need to get away from that church. That's not the word of God. I have found when I got closer to God and I committed everything and I said, God, it's coming between you and me. It's out of my life. That anchor just rooted deeper into my heart. Every time that I said, you know what? When I do this, I don't feel God. I want it out of my life. Every time that anchor just went deeper and deeper into my heart. And I said, God, don't ever take it out. The evidence of God, his word dwelling in you is not the periodic reference, but it's the constant guide. The ever-present help that he gives us in the time of trouble. Looking in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. We're talking about putting on the new self. We're coming up on the end of the year. Many of you may make a resolution that says, this year in 2020, I am going to do this better. And I am not going to do this anymore. And we can write that list. And this year I'm going to, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with being a better person. But what God has called us to do is to be a better Christian. And that should be at the forefront of every one of our lists tonight. It says in verse 12, I'll pick it up. In verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is in the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. This is a wonderful passage because it gives us and spells out specifically what we must do to be able to call ourselves Christians. In verse 12 through 15, if I could give my example, this gives us the references for the sources of time, location, and speed for the true Christian. The ground, they ground us in our walk with him to ensure that at any given time in our life, we are doing the Lord's work and none of our own. This is... The word of God telling us how we should be. I like verse 14 because it says, and above all these things, put on charity. Put on love. 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 Now, 
If you were to go back and read verse 12, which we won't, but just for you to reference, if you were to read verse 12 and 13, and everything that it's asked us to do, if we were to say, and to do this in love, to put on Christ, to uh, put on the bowels of mercies in love, to have kindness one towards another in love, humbleness of mind in love, meekness in love, long-suffering in love. You may think I was kind to that person, but it was not motivated by love. It's easy to do these things without love. For you to say, oh, well, I stopped by the side of the road or I helped a brother in the church that I may not have the best of relationships with. But did you do it out of love? Or did you do it just to do it? God wants us to love one another. It is the bond of perfectness. That's what love is. When we reckon ourselves unto Jesus Christ... We can then put on Christ. And then we can do these things which we have been called unto to do in love. God wants us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And the wisdom and the understanding of his word begins to flow in our life. And we begin to worship God. Not saying, oh, Brother Nelson, we sang that song the other night. Why can't you pick another one? You say, no, this is my opportunity to worship him. And so thank you for singing that song once again. That's what love does. It doesn't nitpick the things of the church it says we can do this. We're in this together. It runs along beside of those competing in the race of life and says, keep running. Keep pacing yourself. You can do this. Here's your time. You're right on schedule. Do what God's telling you to do. Obey the Holy Ghost. Live in the promises of God. If those are not the words coming from you, pity and shame on you. Because not just what you're doing to that person, but it's what you're doing to yourself. You're losing the opportunity to bless somebody by being a blessing unto yourself. Because you push away your thoughts, your wants, your desires, and it becomes all about them. Now you can say, and if I remember back in my memory, my father came from work. He wasn't wearing a tracksuit. He wasn't wearing track shoes. He didn't stretch with me before the race. He was wearing blue jeans and a button-down shirt and tennis shoes that were probably beyond their age. But he still said, i got to help somebody. I've got to help somebody run this race. Saints of God, you're not perfect. And God doesn't say you can't help somebody unless you are perfect. But he says we are all in this race together. With all of our flaws, so run. That doesn't mean you pass somebody and you say, see you later, I'll see you at the rest station. It says, no, let me slow down. Brother, you can do this. We've got this. We can run this race. Look up there, they're waiting on us. The crowd is cheering. The heavenly host is waiting on us. Our master is encouraging us. So run this race. God wants us all to finish. But we must be reckoned unto Jesus. 
In John chapter 1, very familiar passage of scripture talking about the word. We see God did some monumental things to set up what we can experience today. In John chapter 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We find in this passage of scripture, God coming down here on earth to represent the ultimate sacrifice as God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. He being God revealed the plan of salvation and it starts and ends with Jesus. All of what we do is found in him. We are buried with him in baptism, filled with him in the spirit, and kept by his spirit, and gathered together to be with him for all of eternity. That is the race that we run today. In none of that, in none of that, does it say, I have a problem with you. In none of that, does it say, it's okay to not love your neighbor. As yourself. In none of that does it say it's okay to have that attitude to drive a wedge in relationships. In none of that. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God wants us to focus on him. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He wants us to have all of him. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. In none of that scripture does it say what I want or what you want. In none of that does it say whether we should have this paint on the wall or this color of carpet. They're all just issues if you make them one. In none of that does it say only if you don't sit in my pew. Only if you don't call and tell me you miss me at church. Only if, and you can go down the list, none of that matters. For the grace of God that brings salvation. We must meet God and be reconciled unto him. He tells us that he's teaching us. Denying ungodliness and, un and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Second, or in Timotheus chapter 2, all the way through verse 15. 
He tells us that all people, that's all believers, receive from the fullness of Christ. That tells us that we can come in whatever state that we are in tonight and find Christ in pursuit of Him. We can find, like Brother Hall was saying, everything that we meet in God. That means the greatest and the best saints cannot live without God. That means the meanest and the weakest may live by Him because He changes us and makes us what He needs us to be. This fullness removes proud boasting because we have nothing but what we have received from Him. What's so beautiful is fears are silenced because I want nothing in my life that which I have not received from God. And God does not give us a fear that keeps us up at night, just consumes our heart with fear at all the what-ifs. What God gives us is peace. It's peace. What I find fascinating, and I'm speaking to myself tonight, what I find fascinating is that we as people can feel a hair in our sock, and it drives us nuts. You can feel a hair on your neck, and know it's not attached. And your hand, in its blindness, with precision, can reach back and, and pull up. That's not mine. But yet, we pray for the peace of God. And we can't find it. Because we've allowed our senses, our reckoning to Christ, to be shifted, diluted, moved. That landmark that has always been there, you've shifted it just a little bit. The precision that's found in the grace and the peace of God, you've moved just a little bit. And you say, I still worship God with everybody, but yet you can't find it. You can't feel it out. And you say, God, I need your peace. And He's telling you, I just need you to trust me. Step back into calibration. Because our previous technology in the railroad had meters of variance. The new technology that I just spent 10 years of my previous, on the previous technology, spent 10 years of my career deploying, and it wasn't good enough. Now we're looking at less than one inch of resolution from all of that technology. When in the past, we were leaving that up to say, engineer, what track do you think you're on? Well, by my timetable, by my track bulletin, everything that I have in front of me, I think I'm on this track. And they'd be wrong. And it puts them in a head-on collision with another train. Saints of God, reckon yourself unto Jesus. Because none of this can be left up to guessing. On that day of judgment, we can't say, God, I thought, I felt. They told me, it has to be, you said, Master, if I'll trust in you and give you everything in my heart, you will lead me into all paths, and the understanding and the wisdom and the word of God will be a comfort to me, and nowhere does it say, I feel, I think, 
But he's saying, cast all your cares upon me. Not because your friends care for you, but because I care for you. I care for you. Recently, one of the messages that I preached while Bishop was traveling, was talking about the victory that we can find, and we talked about it in Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. We were instructed to put on Christ, and it's only that we find in obedience to the Scripture that we can access this putting on Christ. And it says in verse 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. That's pretty direct. It's telling us it's Christ or it's nothing. You can have a powerful walk with God and back off and begin to coast and ebb and flow and just float with everybody around you. The problem is you have lost something called momentum. And the reason that you are with others is because you have matched their pace and eventually they will outpace you. And we cannot do that, brothers and sisters. We need one another. I must have you by my side. I must hear you say, you can do this. Keep pressing. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Worship with me. Let's worship together. Put your arm around one another. Begin to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Begin to call upon the name of the Lord on behalf of the brother or sister. But you cannot do it if you're entertaining provision for the flesh. The church of Galatia received a letter from the Apostle Paul. And he addresses their departure from the faith in Jesus Christ. In the first chapter, he begins to talk to them. And he presents the revelation of Jesus Christ. And how he was not sitting at the feet of the law keepers. But it was the word that was keeping him day and night. It was the word that was revealed unto him. We find in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24... It says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. But we, before ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The law was to usher in this time of grace through Jesus Christ. And looking back in the example that he gave, talking about to the Greek, and the Greek schoolmaster would use these wax tablets, and they would put a layer of wax, and he would instruct the students. And this surface was covered so it could be reusable. And after they used them, they would smooth them back out, with a tool and began to inscribe on them with their stylus once again. Now, technology has come a long way. There have been great advancements in technology in the tablets. The ones I grew up with, you had to shake them to reset. You had to be very careful. Don't no one bump me as you're turning this wheel and turning this wheel. I never made anything but a mess. Nothing but a mess. But he's telling them that we were once under the law. The law 
hovered over our hand and began, just as the Greek schoolmaster began to hold his hand or their hand over the student and began to help them write the letters and began to inscribe in the tablet. He says, we're no longer under that. We're going to take that and we're going to write it here. Let the word be written here. There is no clean that slate and it's all gone. Because when you put it here, it can never be taken out of your heart unless you take it out. We can never walk up to someone and they say you're ugly and you're no good and you'll never amount to nothing and then look at you and say, oh yes, I'm sorry, say that to you and, and you say, oh well, I believe you and you influence me and I've looked up to you all my life. But when someone does that, you just step back and you say, God, what did you tell me? What did you tell me down deep in my heart? What is it that the word of God is? Christ is our schoolmaster. And just as it says in Psalms 119, he says, I will put thy word within my heart that I may not sin against me. The law was written of God of the Old Testament. And it was the hand of redemption over to the New Testament through Jesus Christ. The plan was for the living Jesus Christ to be the word of God and to lead us into life and to take us into glory. It was him fulfilling everything that the law was and saying, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to take the law off your hand. We're going to put it in your heart and no one's going to lord over you. But now you're going to serve the master and he's going to write it deep within your heart. So that you may never fail. You may never fall. You hold to his hand. You delight yourself in his statutes. And it says, I will not forget thy word. Christ came to fulfill everything in our life. The musicians would come this evening. In Matthew chapter 5. In verse 17. It says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And all that we have today is because there was Jesus Christ. The living word that walked among us. As we find in John chapter 1 verse 14. The word has a name. And we must be reckoned unto that name. If you find yourself losing your way just a little bit as we stand tonight, you may say, well, I felt his presence. But did it change you? Did you allow the presence of God to change you? Just as the men got up before and says that God can fulfill everything that you need in your life. Jesus Christ is the answer. We must be reckoned unto him in all that we say or do. And you must understand. Listen to my voice. Run. Run. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. And just make sure that you're looking unto Jesus. Keep listening to his voice. Not the one over the loudspeaker that says, you can't do it. We're going to disqualify you. We're going to remove you from the race. But I would rather be led by my father 
than those around me that just want me to be just like them. Bitter, cold, and not happy. I want Jesus Christ. I must have Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. He's the one that I can lean on. He's the rock that gives all of us that calm peace. Oh, that peace. That sweet peace that flows over our life and changes us and we can say, God, I'm yours today. I'm tired of being of my own, but I must be reconciled unto you. I must be getting everything that I feel in this life from you. Can we lift our hands and talk to him today? I love you, Jesus. Oh, Master, we need you today. God, you know the lives that are impacted today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you know the lives that's just off-center by just a little bit. God, we need you today to reach down and touch them and bring them back. Give them a course correction that says, Oh, you want to feel me like you used to? Just step right over here. Hallelujah. Let's come find us a place to pray up front. Saints of God, let's talk to him. It's our brother. It's our sister that we do this for. It's those that are running this race. They need to hear the voice of God. They're hearing voices around them that say it's not worth it. Don't do it. Don't keep trying. But God, we need you today to reach down and touch their heart. We need you to strengthen them and encourage them tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.